She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom who watched her kids and community decline during COVID school closures. She knew she had to speak up. No, no, no. We are the parents. You are not. You are assisting us in the education of our kids, but we are the parents. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar until the toxic politics of his kids' schools became too great to ignore at home. Who gets to say? Who says? What is a proper education for a child? Who gets to say that? Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. Welcome into this edition of Making the Leap. We're grateful that you downloaded the show. Hope you have been giving it uh, the five-star reviews that we're humbly, though not so subtly, requesting. That's what helps podcasts like this grow, is when you give it a five-star review. If you leave a written review, even better. Even better if you take 10 (laughs) seconds and share it with somebody that you think is trying to consider making this leap themselves into. In fact, we were just having a discussion with some of our colleagues at the Herzog Foundation, and they said, what do we call this after you're done making the leap? (laughs) I know. We're going to have to come up with some names. Maybe we need some some listener input. I don't know. So at some point, we will have already made the leap. And the the (laughs) argument was, when are you done making the leap? And you've made it. Right. I don't know what I don't we know. call it. I feel like we need, well, for any big switch, I think it's always, I think it's a two-year thing, so I think yeah. we start. <laughs> well, at so any we rate, that. yeah, pull that mic a little closer yeah. to you. Um, you the thing that we um, know for sure is that your input is most appreciated. I got a great email from uh, a guy uh, called Anthony who said, hey, I made the move, brother. I took my kids out of public school, enrolled them at a Catholic school. My son is entering sixth grade. My daughter will be going into fifth grade. I have to be honest. I'm glad my wife and I are making this move. Keep up the great work. You guys are great Americans. That's from Anthony, an email that I got uh, over at my website, christagall.com. But same thing applies. I've been sharing our trip to Milwaukee on the radio show, yeah. and um, we'll talk a little about that in uh, more detail in just a minute. You have a couple of reviews as well. Well, we had one person write in. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know the names. Alpha Zep um, says your podcast seems to get better every week. Awesome. Today's interview from July twenty second was outstanding. Oh, I love that. Like that's a good because we talked about from the very beginning. We are not experts. I am brand new to this one hundred percent. So just the fact that they continue to listen, knowing it's. You know, it was a start. It was a work in progress in the beginning in terms of getting, I think, some rhythm down. And I take that. I well, take that to be a great it, feedback. It, you know, we have uh, only our life experiences to offer. Right. Um, I, I know a little bit about a microphone, but uh, <laughs> you know a lot about teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put those together and hopefully we can put it together in a presentation. But we, yeah, as we've said, we don't hold ourselves out to be experts no. on any of this per se. We're learning right along with you. That's why we decided to call this Making the Leap is that we, you know, we're just a year in. And in fact, we talked to our daughter about this, Anna. And uh, I think coming up very soon, maybe the next episode or two, we're probably going to bring her in, maybe with a friend, and have them discuss their first year and now going into the second year of a private Christian education and how. And I, we told her, right? We said, <laughs> you come in and you be honest. Like, we're, right. not gonna, we're not rigging it. We're not going to set it up. Right. Um, we've been sharing the story of what it is to be new parents in this space. You share what it is to be a student. So we're going to yep. have a very candid conversation. And I don't know. Maybe it goes completely well. Maybe it goes a little <laughs> well. I don't I don't know how it's going to go, well, but we're going to try it. Because, you know, she's well, she's going to be close to being 14. And oh. I, I feel like those things can, yeah. any conversation, you can be, you know, how's the weather? And it just nosedives. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. I don't know. Or it could be amazing because I think she's shown some amazing, like just 
maturity and growth and introspection, if that's the right word. She's been very reflective about there is a clear difference that she sees between then and now. So we're going to let you uh, hear her thoughts on that coming up. Today, by the way, Corey DeAngelis is going to be with us, National Director of Research at the American Federation for Children. He has some interesting new statistics, a survey of likely voters in battleground states uh, and what they have found in terms of their relationship to their schools and uh, their teachers and the direction. And, um, you know, there's some party stuff. We're not really here to do party politics per se, but Corey has some analysis on the research they've done. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, as to the trip we just took to Wisconsin, <laughs> this was a lot of fun. It was. Um, we went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin with the Herzog Foundation for yet another. We did one of these in Loudoun County. You didn't come with me on that one. I didn't get to go, although I think I'm glad. I heard it was very, very cold and I saw some pictures. <laughs> it was and cold. I was not. Yeah, I think I was all right there. It's a great event. A little chilly. It was beautiful. It just happened to be beautiful mm-hmm. weather in Milwaukee for oh the um, Empower, pa- Empower Parents, Parents Rally. Uh, and the Herzog Foundation is kind of strategically picking cities all around the country to go and bring in parents sometimes political figures in this case in wisconsin we actually had some people running for office including a guy that's running for the republican nomination for congress he happens to be the trump endorsed candidate Mm -hmm. in um and they had just had a statewide gubernatorial (laughs) debate televised the night before that we were nerds sitting and watching in a hotel room because we found it interesting and then we we didn't know we had no idea he came into our event in milwaukee and uh he just to be a part of it for the evening which i thought was kind of cool i'm not an endorsement Right. No. Um, you know, you guys in Wisconsin will figure that out. But uh, it was, you know, it's what that tells me is this discussion has clearly for the first time reached um, the the desk of campaigns and people coordinating campaigns. They know this is important. They saw what happened in Virginia. And so people running for governor's offices and nominations around the country are waking up to you're ticked off. You're a parent. This matters to you. Don't take us for granted. And don't you ignore our public school space. So these rallies have been a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. They've contained a lot of different voices uh, and uh, issue groups, if you want. I think I I really like that there was such a variety at this one. We had who were some of them. So we had um, a woman from Moms for Liberty, which has, you know, been a, I guess, I want to call it a mainstay, even though it's only really been a couple of years. Um, they've been around for a while. No left turn in education. Both groups that I had invested some time in when we were back in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, Missouri, I don't think, even has a Moms for Liberty group here. Um, so that was kind of interesting to hear and great to hear. We had the 1848 Project there. Yes. Um, and I know we had a, a legal, we had some legal um, voices there as well, talking about some of the issues very specifically that were happening in districts that parents are taking direct action on rather than just kind of sitting back. So that was a good, I thought that was just a good variety across the board. And they weren't just from that area. They weren't just from, it was held in Waukesha. They were from all over the place. And I think that goes to speak to how widespread the issues are. The American Federation for Children local chapter in Wisconsin was there. We're going to talk with Corey in just a little bit, who's kind of the national national director. Mm -hmm. But what's fascinating is, you know, No Left Turn in Education, a group that was founded out of the Philadelphia area where we come from, and Alana Fishbein, who I think those of you who listen to the podcast have heard my conversations with her here. If not, maybe you've heard on the radio show. What I love is I'm starting to see a cohesiveness from stop to stop to city to city, state to state. You're starting to see these groups all in one mission, all rowing together. And that's we I I know I'm not saying anything new, almost redundant in a broken record. But we are in an unprecedented time, a very different time than ever before. 
um, going after our kids' educations in a in a in a meaningful way has always been sort of a I don't want to say fringe issue, but I wouldn't say it's been a mainstream issue. No, uh, it no. feels. It's starting to feel mainstream to me now. Well, it was fun when I stopped to talk to Alexandra. She was the one from the No Left Turn in Education. When I stopped to talk with her afterwards, and she said, you know, Olana, she's such a powerhouse. And I I thought, how amazing that this woman that comes from an area, you know, that was just a few miles down the road from where we were, has sparked something that in just these few short years has allowed people, regular people, the mini driving or minivan driving moms and dads to just have a central spot to speak. And I was telling you also, I had spoken with a friend um, yesterday or the day before about how those groups really help provide um, just to, to kind of ease that feeling of being alone all the time and yes. feeling like you're sitting off on <laughs> some, you know, chair off to the side at a party and you're not invited because you don't know, you know, you just feel more together. And I think they have a platform across the board and that's very valuable too. I really enjoyed hearing from both of those moms specifically that were up there just because, you know, I listened and I thought, been there, been there. Now we have taken a different path. You know, they're still, they're working within their public education systems and I commend them for that. Um, we pulled, we left because it was just getting to be too it's, much. It's, uh, it's interesting because one of the gentlemen who spoke at this event came up to me after and he said, you know, I was emceeing and I, I said, I told the story that those of you who listen to this podcast know. Um, and I was saying to the group there in Milwaukee, I said, uh, this was tough for us. And I was kind of, you know, giving a shorthand explanation of what you've heard here about how making this change with our daughter was not easy. Uh, it was work. And now, again, this is a dad with, I think, three kids. He's actively suing the district his kids are attending. Right. He's right. suing them now. <laughs> and he said, he's like, try being that. <laughs> but he yeah. came up to me afterward and he said, tell me what you mean by it was hard to take yeah. your kid out of school and put her in a private Christian education. I kind of went on to explain it a little more. And um, I'm sympathetic to this. This guy said, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there yet. He... He, he knows how, I mean, he knows, he knows how bad it is that he's right. suing the district. And not just once. I mean, there are multiple things happening. Yeah. And, and he, he, but he's still not ready. And, and so I'm mindful that there are so many millions of people, which is, you know, I've been, I hate to sound like a, you know, like I'm browbeating people, but uh, the hesitation uh, I understand it. I understand you feeling like, gosh, I don't know, is, is the is the size of the school an impediment? Is the cost mm -hmm. an impediment? I just I keep I just feel like I got to beg people. If it's on your heart, would you please investigate it at least? Right. Don't just say ah, it's uncomfortable. It's hard. It'll be awkward. It's too expensive. And then put it out of your head. We did right. that for too many years and take it from us. We regret it. Well, I'd rather see somebody who is, I mean, you could see it in his eyes when you were talking with him. Yep. I could see it. But when, when you're talking with somebody, I would much rather that hesitation come after the fact, after you've made a few phone calls, after you've sat and prayed and discussed it with people, looked at your finances, investigated any, you know, any options that exist for financial aid, which exist, which is out there. I mean, yes. it is out there in so many different ways, but I would rather that hesitation come from now, you know, you have option A, B, C, whatever you have in front of you, and then you have to make that hard choice. I would rather that than 
you know, I, I know this isn't right, but I just am not sure I should act because I, I just want to say to people, no, you totally should act, even if it means just a phone call, yep. just a class, you know, just a tour of a classroom, just a conversation with a neighbor. I actually was put in contact with a mom who is bringing, I think, a couple of her kids over to our daughter's school. Okay. They are moving from, they're moving, I believe they're coming from out of state, coming here, maybe even similar to us, maybe had been here, left, came back. Um, but I was just put in contact with her and she said, oh, I'll take any you know, any, any input you have, any advice you have about what this is going to look like. And, you know, I'm happy to share not in an egotistical way, but just in a, this is what we saw. This is what we experienced. And there are people available to you across the board in every school you look at, whether there's 10 kids or 50 kids or a hundred kids there, there are parents that are willing to take that time. So I, I would just recommend that rather than waffle back and forth with i don't know i don't know i got a note today from somebody actually on social media um i i because i'd said on my radio show i said you know there are schools right now there are schools in your community that are startups right now there are Mm -hmm. teachers two and three and four teachers or professionals who have said let's start a school who are doing it right now close Mm -hmm. to you somewhere i'll almost bet right and it's gonna be non-traditional but i got a tricky question how do i find them Okay. <laughs> and I, I think that I don't yes. know how to answer. How so do you I, find them? I mean, I know for some people it's the devil, but I would say you start on Facebook. I think you start by searching. Um, I think you start by searching your community name. I think you. Well, let's take Riverstone. Sure. Now, um, the, the, the podcast that we kind of kicked all this off with mm-hmm. was the startup Christian school in Pennsylvania right. near our home that we were going to enroll Anna in that right. was really tr- struggling to get 10 kids at the time. Right. I don't even know to be candid where they are with enrollment after a year, but uh, at the time, Anna was going to be one of maybe 10. Mm-hmm. So, I, and we found them because of a yard sign. Right. So <laughs> I, I don't, I, I mean, at this hour, I don't yeah. know how I would tell someone to organically have found Riverstone. Well, we stumbled across them. the one thing that I think is good. So, you know, it's funny that you bring up Riverstone at probably once a week. I see somebody in those Facebook groups that are out there. I'm new to the area or I'm considering switching my kids or I'm pulling out what, you know, what are some ideas that exist? What are some options? And I mean, person after person comes in with, you know, Riverstone or try this one or try this one. There's this person's in charge or contact this person or so-and-so. Do you have any advice? So I always think as much as you maybe want to shy away from using the social media. I think social media groups in particular are huge. I think the more you put yourself in there just to get the information, you can always extract yourself later. But if you're moving to, you know, I don't know if you're moving to Kansas city, Missouri. So you start, you know, typing in, you know, parents, Kansas city parents, or you, you know, and eventually you'll find the group you want to be in by might take a little trial and error, but that would be the first place that I would suggest we um we had a just a thoroughly great visit and we want to thank the folks uh in the milwaukee wisconsin area for having us we thank the herzog foundation for inviting us along um and i look forward to so many more of these uh, rallies in fact one of the things they said to us while we were in wisconsin was yeah. why haven't we gone to pennsylvania yet <laughs> and i left it because i now we've had a couple i don't know why we haven't i mean that's where we left yeah, we should great. go back i mean i have a story in front of me today as a matter of fact before we get to Corey, um this is going on just outside of philadelphia and what's called bucks county yeah. facing heated heated community opposition the central bucks school district uh, approved a contentious library policy <laughs> contentious what makes it contentious a 6-3 vote this school district central bucks county school district in pennsylvania literally voted their vote was to preview books 
so dumb. And this is controversial. Now, again, um, the Philadelphia Inquirer wrote it as Central Bucks approves contentious library policy targeting sexualized content in books. Well, 6-3 isn't very contentious. 6-3 actually is a pretty decent. Now, listen to this headline, though. Same story from the CBS affiliate in Philadelphia. Central Bucks School Board passes controversial policy change that could lead to book bans. And it is, that is feeding those flames of divisiveness. Is that not? That's, that's such a spin on what actually is happening. Uh, of course. Uh, questions by some board members about origins. The Republican-dominated board voted to advance a policy that's raised alarm among civil rights groups. Which is obnoxious because the books that they're looking to oversee are basically... It's basically porn sitting on a bookshelf. That's more eyebrow raising for me than anything, nor do I want to burn books. I just want to make sure my kids aren't staring at pornography without me being aware. The Pennsylvania Library Association calls this one of the most restrictive in schools across the state. The district superintendent says they just want to ensure students are reading age-appropriate material. What the hell point <laughs> is a school board if not that? It's, What's right. the point? But doesn't it remind you, though, of sitting at that meeting, that forum that we were at, watching yes. our potential school board candidates get up there and share their opinions, and the one woman who... Yeah, we have a new school board member. We have a woman who won. We have a woman, yep. a brand new woman in our community who won on the school board. And when asked about this question, she literally said, it's none of our damn business. Right. I trust the I trust the librarians. I trust the teachers. Um, hello, do you not trust us? Because I can guarantee you, I know best what should be given to my children. I was floored when I heard that. I, I just, it's This is not going away, right. you know, and you're going to hear this in our conversation with Corey. This is like, it, it just, it, when you would think culturally this would simmer down and people would back off. It feels like um, there's a lot of institutional bureaucracy that is, um, <laughs> they've decided they want to go to war. They don't want to back off. They don't want to listen. They want to fight now. And it's like, okay, I mean, if if you want to fight, go ahead. But I am i don't think it's going to end well for you. And this is a big topic. This is, a, this is one of those topics, I think, across the board that really has parents um, fired up. I know it has some that kind of roll their eyes and think people like you or me are a little over the top and crazy. And yep. while well, they have phones and they can see, right, but they have it all with my oversight. And I think that's where people forget. I know I was telling, sharing a story with you, a Moms for Liberty site posted this morning out of, um, I think, Wilton County, Tennessee, that when you go to register your kids and you're going to take care of the back to school stuff every year, you have to now click a button that gives permission. You have to opt in for your child to have access to what they're calling like mature reading material. So instead of just being the, I have to make the extra effort to opt out. Well, you have to make the effort now to opt in. So the, I guess the standard will be, it's not available unless you opt in. And people were, you know, all kind of up in arms about some of that too. But what a great step, and it's a win, and I'll take it. I mean, that's that's the first thing you do is you give the parents the say. It's not removing the material from the shelves. Yeah. So those people are, I think, pacified a little bit. But it's at least saying, okay, yes, we recognize that in a high school, we have 14-year-olds all the way up till 18-year-olds. So let's, let's kind of try to meet this in the middle. And maybe that 14-year-old should not have the same access in a parent's eyes than the 18-year-old or the 17-year-old. Have you ever, and I'm not making fun of this, I'm asking, have you ever come into contact with someone's child who has an allergy to a food? Of course. How, how, how do parents whose children have severe allergies to food behave? 
cautiously? Uh, with great concern, sometimes even alarm. What if schools, when they're going to be around something that could potentially hurt their child? That's right. Uh huh. So sure. when there's a nut allergy, for that's a thing that when I was a kid, yes. I've never heard of it, and now it seems like peanuts can't even be in a classroom yes. or a lunchroom because kids right. will explode or something. I don't know because it I'm will hurt them when it. they come in contact with them. That's right. Yeah. So uh, and, and appropriately, parents are concerned about what their kids digest and eat. So why not? But, what you put in your mind but, as well. But, but we hearts. don't, yeah, you, you never hear teachers mm-hmm. and school districts say, it's none of your damn business, we'll feed them what we please. Right. <laughs> but, no. but when it comes to books and material, we're right. supposed to butt out and shut up? Right. So the idea then there being, there are generally ways to accommodate most things, which, you know, obviously I think it's a slippery slope. You start accommodating all kinds of things. Now we have cats in high schools with litter boxes and whatever going on. So there have been accommodations made, but now let's, let's look at it from the opposite end. Let's start accommodating someone like me who maybe does not want certain books being available to my 14 year old, my 15 year old, my 16 year old, who maybe if my nephews who are six and eight go into public school, which they're not, but if they were going in, um, let's make sure that maybe their teachers aren't busy discussing topics and ideas and ideologies that don't belong in their heads at that age. That's completely acceptable. Corey DeAngelis is the National Director of Research at the American Federation for Children, and we are grateful to have him today. Corey, uh, always a pleasure and so grateful for your work out there. Welcome in. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You bet. There are, um, Christine and I have been talking about uh, this cacophony of stories that have been <laughs> cascading over the last uh, days. It, it seems like it's just, I don't know if it's coincidental. I don't know if we're more sensitive to the subject, but it seems like there is more and more and more um, just cascading on top of uh, parents of kids in public school. Um, I, I got a story here in front of me today, as a matter of fact, and I, I guess I'll use this as a jumping off point, not why you're here, but it was uh, it was one that was sent to, to my attention. It was a, a Twitter um, thread from Chris Rufo, who I know you know, and you know his work on Portland Public Schools, now teaching elementary school students to subvert the sexuality of white colonizers, acknowledge girls can have penises, and begin experimenting with Z and Zer pronouns and exploring the infinite gender spectrum and this thread on twitter goes on and on and on Corey, my my point is at a time when we are clearly culturally in a battle for the future of our kids and their educations it seems there's a progressive element that continues to insist they're going to double triple quadruple down on it yeah i mean the teachers unions have gone so far left it's uh beyond parody at this point uh randy weingarten's union the american federation of teachers has contributed 99.997% of their political contributions in 2022 to Democrats as opposed to Republicans. So you have these highly polarized institutions uh, influencing what happens in public schools. And I think this is why we're also seeing that Republicans are up on the issue of education for the first time in several decades. I mean, just think about in 2017, a Gallup poll showed Republicans down on education by about 17 percentage points. But the teachers union's own polling this month showed Republicans up by one point and a Democrats for Education reform polling, another left leaning source, found Republicans in battleground areas up by three percentage points overall and by nine points with parents. Parents want education, not indoctrination. They want the, ki- the schools to get back to the basics. They just want their kids to learn how to read, write and 
and do math. Um, but the schools aren't doing that right now. Chris Rupo is doing great work exposing things happening in the schools. And ultimately, sunlight is the best disinfectant. I think this is ultimately going to lead to more school choice at the same time because that's the best solution here to fund the student directly, allow families to take their children's education dollars to the education providers of their choosing that best align with their values and best meet their children's needs. At the same time, that leads to competitive pressures for the public schools to focus on the basics, not alienate uh, a huge part of their customer base. And this would be the best win-win solution going forward. We haven't spoken to you about Arizona's decision. Uh, and I think it's monumental um, maybe a model yeah. for the entire country. Is this the beginning of the end of the funding formula to public school as we know it, what Arizona has done? And for the audience that's not up on it, if you could bring us up to speed, I assume that you know. Yeah, the teachers' union's shaking in its boots, and it's their own fault for overplaying their hand over the past couple of years. They, they've politicized education. I mean, Randy Weingarten's own poll that I just referred to earlier uh, she's been saying on Twitter, the, the union president, that the Republicans have been politicizing education. She's been blaming Glenn Youngkin and Ron DeSantis and other Republicans and conservatives. But her own poll asked about uh, what people thought and, and uh, about politicizing of education. Families and respondents to the poll said that over politicized education is the number one problem with public schools today. And they were more likely to say that Democrats were the problem by five points than Republicans, the complete opposite of what Randy Weingarten has been claiming. So she just uh, uh, committed a, an epic self-own uh, with the American Federation of Teachers commission poll of likely voters in battleground states. But in Arizona, uh, we're, so first, we've just seen massive victories on the school choice front. The, the wind is at our backs. In 2021, we had 19 states expand or enact programs to fund students as opposed to systems so we've been calling that the year of school choice, but the winds just keep on coming. In 2022, just uh, earlier this earlier this month, actually in July, Governor Doug Ducey signed into law the most expansive education savings account program in the nation to fund all students directly, allow all families, regardless of income, to be able to take their children's education dollars to the education providers of their choosing. That could be your public school, could be a private school, a charter school, or a home-based education option. It happens to be around $7,000 per student. The money follows the child. And this win in Arizona is the biggest school choice victory in U.S. history. It cements Arizona clearly as the number one state for educational freedom. And hopefully more states will follow. I've already seen uh, several lawmakers in other states suggesting that they want to do the same thing. I just met with Governor Abbott in Texas yesterday, and he has voiced his most forceful support of school choice that I've ever seen. Good. And he has even said earlier this year that this will be the strongest push for school choice in Texas history this coming legislative session. So it's all good news nationwide. That's so great because the timing couldn't be better. I, I just, I watch what's happening in different states. I watch what's happening in school districts that I follow locally um, here and in a couple of other states. And I just think, I think teachers are scared. <laughs> I think they don't know, you know, I think they kind of know what's coming, but they're not ready for what's coming. And I, I cannot wait to watch it. 
Yeah, I, I mean that's the thing. There are um, yeah, yeah, caught in the middle of it. Are are, are there are decent people, good teachers, right, friends good of people. ours who are yeah. public school teachers that I think are wondering what's happening to the future of public school, and I think it's necessarily being broken. I, I I've said that a lot. I, I mean, it's not profound, but it, based on what you just described out of Arizona, uh, what Abbott is looking at doing, I think in Missouri, for instance, they've got what they call a Mo Scholars program. It's not as aggressive as Arizona, but I think it could tilt that way eventually. Um, that's an opportunity, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, right? Yeah. Missouri just had a big victory in 2021 as well. They got their first education savings account program. It, yes. it was a targeted program, but at the same time, it's the first private school choice initiative in the state of Missouri. And that is one of the states that uh, implemented this new, um, the, the purest form of what I call funding students as opposed to systems, having the funding follow the child to not just a private school if you want, but you could also choose the public school, charter school, or home-based education option. It's the most flexible, most customizable version of educational freedom or what most people would call school choice. And look, you know, at the same time, this, this doesn't necessarily mean that public schools are going to be negatively impacted. Sure, they'll have to compete uh, for a change and they'll have to up their game in response to allowing families to vote with their feet. But what we've seen nationwide is that the public schools actually get better. They up their game in response to competition. 25 of 28 studies that exist on the topic find statistically significant positive effects of private school choice competition on the outcomes for the students in the public schools. And there's also some evidence, five that I've summarized at a blog at the Washington Examiner in a, in a post called School Choice Benefits Teachers Too, all five of those studies finding statistically significant positive effects of private and charter school competition on teacher salaries in the public schools. So school choice can benefit students and families, but also teachers because it gives their employer, otherwise a geographic monopoly, an incentive to spend money wisely. So they put more money into the classroom towards teacher salaries as opposed to administrative bloat and superintendents and staffing surges. So monopolies are bad for teachers, too. Do you think that we can break? I, yeah, I talked with a guy um, called Simon Campbell in uh, the Bucks County, Pennsylvania area. He's a, a, a former school board member of the Pensbury School Board there, who's now a citizen and a parent, and sued that school district on uh, First Amendment grounds. And they actually settled with him to the tune of three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Well, settled with uh, several parents. Basically, every parent gets like seventeen dollars and seventy six cents <laughs> or something. But it was the symbolism of the thing was the point, and he was successful in making them settle and the reason i bring this up i was interviewing him and he said that uh what i had never considered as a parent there's this issue of the not just the school board but the fact that the school board reports to a state school board association that then has reported to a national school board association and these <laughs> big bureaucratic school board associations are who's actually setting policy are who are setting curriculum standards it's not our local school board. I was naive. For years, I thought, hey, we elect our local school mm -hmm. board. Our school board dictates the terms of how our kids are educated. That's quaint. That's cute. That's maybe how it should have been. We're so far mm -hmm. removed from that. We got to break that, too, do we not, Corey? Yeah, I mean, look what happened with the National School Boards Association labeling parents as domestic terrorists. That didn't work out too well for them. 26 state school board associations, including in Missouri and Pennsylvania, have decided to leave the NSBA because uh, of that anti-parent rhetoric. And the NSBA is essentially imploded on itself. We should probably call it the Regional School Boards Association at this point because more than half of the states have already left. But you're right. Yeah, there's state-level school board associations that can be an issue, too. 
Um, and so this whole idea of democratic accountability doesn't really work all that well in practice as is, as it is theorized. But even if it was just local school boards, do we do that for anything else? Do we go fight at a uh, grocery store board to determine what one size fits all set of groceries everybody should receive every, each week? No, we have bottom up accountability and everything else. People vote with their feet. The market is the strongest form of accountability because, look, even if you get a conservative school board, which I think is a task that people should be fighting for if they want to have more influence in the public schools, what's the guarantee that they're actually going to implement the things that they promised? And how long is that going to take? And what happens when the teachers say, oh, well, I'm going to teach the way that I want to anyway? Um, at the end of the day, you have to have that exit option just in case the public schools don't listen to your needs for whatever reason. And especially because it's a more immediate option if you can vote with your feet as opposed to something that could take decades to change. Corey DeAngelis is the uh, National Director of Research at the American Federation for Children, federationforchildren.org. I'm, you know, Christine and I just spent some time with uh, some good people in the the, the Milwaukee, Wisconsin <laughs> yes. area. And uh, as I know, this is your life's work, Corey, you travel the country. But whether it's been in Missouri or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or Loudoun County, Virginia, some places that we've uh, traveled now and spoken to parents, th there is an awakening in this country. And I feel it, uh, not just because I think we are experiencing it as parents and we are uh maybe we're more sensitive and keyed into it but it's we're clearly not alone is the point this is not a fringe issue anymore yeah i mean for far too long in k-12 education the only special interests were the employee unions the teachers and the superintendents unions but now thankfully there's a new special interest group in town parents who just want more of a say in their kids education and they're not going away anytime soon. They've, they've woken up. They're never going to sleep again. They're never going to forget how powerless they felt in 2020 and 2021. And they're going to fight to make sure they never feel powerless again. And I'm optimistic because parents will fight for the right to educate their kids as they see fit harder than anyone will ever fight to take that right away from them. So politicians from all parties would be wise to listen to this new special interest group going forward because they're powerful. They're they, Mama bears are a force to be reckoned with. And look at what they did to the National School Boards Association. This wasn't just because, um, you know, uh, politicians and government officials wanted to do the right thing. It's because parents pushed back. And when they band together, they can uh, really be a force for change. And so that has me very optimistic about the prospects for parental rights and education going forward. Look at uh, what happened in Virginia with Terry McAuliffe saying, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. That was a political death sentence. And at this point, um, coming out against parental rights and education is becoming a form of political suicide. And at the end of the day, that's good news for children and parents. And if politicians are smart, especially Republicans, they can become the parents party if they just listen to the needs of families and their children. And it's strange that it seems that there are still some people politically that are doubling down on the notion of parents should butt out. But, you know, to, to your point, whatever, if that's the way they want to go out, then so be it. Corey, great to catch up with you, my friend. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. Thank you. Really thinking a lot about the different conversation, like the conversation that we had from earlier yep. as well. Just thinking about really wishing parents just took a second to just make a small phone call or make a small visit. And it's so we were sitting there. Talking. Don't talk yourself out of it. Right. That's what right. we just keep. I, I, it doesn't mean that you have to commit. It doesn't mean that that's ultimately end up what you do. Maybe you right. keep your kids in school and you don't change a thing. But don't ignore the thing nagging at you. If you feel like we do, if you think this sounds interesting, 
take the next step at least and investigate it. Well, I when we are talking about it, I happen to be looking at my phone and we have a message or I have a message from somebody that listens and I think found me there. And she said, um, firstly, I would like to just say thank you for all you and Chris are doing with this Making the Leap podcast. It has been tremendously helpful, which just makes me happy. Listening to your episode from a few weeks back um, and just kind of laughing at what Chris was saying, thinking, what did we do? I also feel that way. My kids are still in elementary school and my oldest is about to take on her last year and we are going to go visit a Christian school near us today. Um, I didn't think it was an option financially. We found out that it might be, and I'm just here to say truly thank you for all you guys are doing. And that was from a listener named Megan. And I, if, if there is, if that is all (laughs) that we can take from this, if this is all that it is, is just one parent here or there that is starting to think about it, then I feel like just, you know, praise Jesus for those small things of just, I've had this in my heart. I've been thinking about it. I made a phone call, didn't know I could do this, and now I'm finding out I can. Yeah. And she's a Missourian, right? Because she Missouri and that most scholars yes, thing we, we were talking that. about, that's, you know, th- th- not every state has it, and I hope right. every state will work on but it. But I'm if- finding out, though, that there are, like we've been hearing now a couple times, almost half the states in the country have some form of it in some way. If you call a Christian school or a private school in your area and say, are there funding opportunities? Are there loan opportunities? Are there scholarship grants? ask right those people are paid on those staves to tell you and show you how to find it and i can rattle off i could probably start rattling off four to five schools right now in our area that i know have access to this option however i will also say i'm a gut person i always go with my gut and if you do call and they shut you down or nope we're sorry there's no you know option Hang up and go find yourself yeah. another place. It's not where to you want to be anyway. Right? No not school work worth with their metal. Uh, they have. They should have a heart to be helpful. They should right. have a heart to guide and steer right. and make it work for you. And if not them, guide you somewhere where it can work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So that's important, and we uh, we're grateful for your support and your listenership. I hope you'll reach out and let us know your thoughts. Uh, give us, you know, your opinions. Uh, Ask us give, questions. Uh, let us know what's worked for you. Let let us know about things we may not know related to institutions or places that um, maybe we haven't highlighted. I, maybe that are doing some really great things within regards to Christian education. I've been approached by people doing things in private education, homeschool, Christian education, I, the, stuff I just didn't even understand or know, <laughs> stuff that really kind of befuddled it's me. It's funny when you start rattling, you know, you've got know. unschooling, homeschooling, you know, I don't know, there's probably a million other words we don't know, but I love it. But definitely take the time to, you know, drop us a line. You can reach us um, via email, hello at makingtheleappodcast.com. Twitter at making underscore the underscore leap, Facebook and Instagram at making the leap podcast. And we, like I said, we, you know, we're trying to share some stories and information on those platforms. We will, you know, if we don't respond, we'll try to read things and talk about things on air. We really generates, I think anything that you guys send us or anything that we talk about generates some good conversation with us. And it's always beneficial if somebody is wondering it, someone else is thinking the same thing. And we will see you back here next week. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.